Hi, friends. Welcome to the Men Overseas Podcast. I am here in Nuremberg, Germany today with my friend Jürgen. Jürgen is a man I have known for about 25 years. He works as a commercial manager at a major German company, and he's also a real estate investor, so we'll have a lot to talk about. Jürgen and I always have great conversations. I've always found him to be a deep thinker, so I hope that you enjoy this conversation. Jürgen, welcome to the Man Overseas Podcast. Thanks, Brad. Thanks, Brad. Got a big smile on my face right now. <laughs> <laughs> Got a big smile on my face right now because actually we were chatting the entire morning already. And uh, once you were starting the podcast right now, uh, your voice dropped twice as deep as it was before. I know they talk like this, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so it looks very professional and I'm happy to to see what's what's gonna be now in to the next hour. Very cool, good. Buddy. So what was that thing we we went to last night? What is that called? That Oktoberfest? looking deal first of all very very cool you you arrived from 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 Prague just again from, from one night just to to stay with me here in Nuremberg um, in Nuremberg we have um, Nuremberg from the past times was let's say growing out from the inner city and was around by many small villages and they all got integrated into now what is what is called the the area in the region of Nuremberg and apparently if people live in villages they um, are together in over a long period of time in a traditional way of living together. So um, that's things that people in the area are very proud about. And there is one thing called called Kirchwei, or in the in the Franconian slang is called Kerva. And that is usually people um, put out there uh, uh, a huge a huge tree. And um, so that's a symbol of the of the German Kerva, of the Franconian Kerva. And they put out a a huge tent and people who live in the area and apparently people don't move that much if they live in let's let's say villages people move a lot more if they live somewhere in the inner city so out there people tend to be growing up and then to to have kids themselves and also grow old so it's for their heart really yes and that's one of the main events every year where um, people just just go for having a good time where some 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 nice music played a band was playing and uh, I was was happy to to bring you along over there because people were um, uh, dancing on the on the how do you call it benches and um, <laughs> just having a good time having some beers apparently some some nice food and everything very relaxed and friendly now even though Germans probably can drink more than just one or two beers I believe atmosphere was extremely nice and nobody really got too drunk after all and uh, it was just enjoyable atmosphere. Yeah, the guys who were drunkest were wearing Lederhosen. Do you wear Lederhosen <laughs> out there sometimes? Um, Lederhosen, in, in fact, is something that also became my area of Franconia more and more, something people are doing. But people still make a huge difference in between Bavaria, which of course is Munich-based, right, with the capital, and Franconia, which is Nuremberg-based. Now, for those who probably wouldn't be wouldn't be knowing it, Franconia is a part of Bavaria. Mm, yeah, I didn't know so that. it so it belongs to Ente Bavaria, but there is still some kind of rivalry also in the in the in the soccer in the football teams. Mm. Bavaria Munich is, is always the number one team around around Germany and well my my football team here in Nuremberg mm. <laughs> is um, just relegated to to second division again. Mm. But Nevertheless, it doesn't matter where we are. The matter is that the club and the people live on have tradition 
and people are extremely enthusiastic about the new season, even though we are in second division. That's something also, in the end, it doesn't really matter that much who is playing in, in the team itself, who is the coach after all. We all like some 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 strong people in there, some strong leaders. But the main thing is the is the overall team and in particular the overall club, mm-hmm. which is from for many, many people in Nuremberg a legend. Mm. You took me to my first European <clears throat> soccer game. We went to we went to see Stuttgart and Hamburg. Right. And that was to determine who would stay in the first division, right? Yeah. So that was very exciting. Yeah, yeah. There was, and I believe there was some some fantastic atmosphere back then in the stadium. It was, yeah. In fact, you and I had trouble getting tickets. We had to sit apart from each other. Remember? Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. But there was there was always spontaneous way of solving issues. I mean, we were going to Stuttgart, and then we were just getting in the morning probably a plan of going to the stadium. And so far, we have no tickets. And if a stadium is sold out, then the usually easiest thing is that you just make up your mind how you can get some tickets mm-hmm. and there are usually two options and one option is that you uh, put out a piece of paper and write on there in highlight colors that you look for a ticket and hold it up and that some people who pass by that's what we did might right? give you a smile right <laughs> that's what we did <laughs> <laughs> but in the end that's that's what brings you into into full stadiums and number two what we also believe I did we did for the, for the second ticket um, to go to fan buses, you know, mm-hmm. there's a fan bus yeah. arriving, then it's it's quite likely that somebody couldn't come. Yeah, and didn't find anybody jumping into, so they they sometimes have one or two extra tickets. Mm-hmm. And back then we just got lucky because it was the the vital game for Stuttgart to to stay in first division back then. Yeah, can you tell folks who are listening how we met? Um. That was a long time ago, and there was <laughs> something I was very appreciative back back then. Um, I was I was turning eighteen. I was at the, the huge privilege of um, going over to the states, and after a weekend in New York with all the other exchange high school students, people were getting their flights to the individual destinations. For for me, it was Houston, yeah. and um, uh, Houston turned out to be such a such a uh, as as I was saying, really privileged to to be over there and uh, spend a year at the high school, and um, I was probably in the, in the in the first days arriving in the high school when you don't know anybody or English is kinda <laughs> let's say on a challenging level, right? Mm-hmm. Because um, you are a bit a bit self conscious on how people will welcome you, and you've heard so many things about Americans, and you're only like seventeen or eighteen years old. And um, so Brad was one of the first people that I was meeting over there who was just inviting me over for, for I believe it was a pool party at his place. <laughs> and um, yeah, was just one of the first people that I thought, hey man, that's it's a great thing that, that we could just hang out and that I can tell you a little bit about what Germany is about, 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 about Texas. Um, and so that was the, the beginning and on all it turned into, I believe, a very great friendship over the past now 24, 25 years. Wow. I can't that believe sounds it's been that long. astonishing to speak <laughs> out. These to speak speakers. Out. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we went to Cypress Falls High School and 
can you tell me about the decision process to go to Houston? Mm -hmm. Is that something you set your sights on while you were going to high school here in Germany? Yeah, yeah. In in a second, because right now I got this smile on the face again because I <laughs> think about this first pool party I went to at Bradley's <laughs> house, and Brad was telling me, Jürgen, what shall I get you? And I said, a beer. And he said, a, a six pack. <laughs> and I said, yeah, please. He said, but you're, you have to know, you are not allowed to drink here, actually. <laughs> so if the cops come, you have to run. <laughs> and I was asking, where shall I run? <laughs> so um, when, I, when I arrived here, I kind of checked out. Um, the, the atmosphere, because obviously when you're doing a high school party, the high school party sometimes is not the most uh, quiet spot in the entire street, so people get aware that there is something going on. And um, yeah, but that was, that, was, that was back then. And then again yesterday I was offering Brad a nice beer at our German Kerva Carnival we went to and um, Brad was saying, oh, he prefers now a Radler because we haven't known each other now for the past two weeks only, getting a six pack, but for the past 25 years and <laughs> 25 years, a lot is happening. And now we are both 40, so that means a Radler is fine as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I do love a Radler, which you can't call it a Radler and people know what you're talking about here. You have to roll the back of your throat with your, it's like a, a right, a right, right, right. But it was just an implicit question to give you a chance of speaking something as well, you know, of explaining. Yeah. <laughs> and it's what, Sprite mixed with beer? Is that what yeah, it is? Yeah, yeah, it's a lemonade and, and a white lemonade mixed with beer. Okay. So that's something to, to quench your thirst. It exists in uh, one version with alcohol-free beer and one with a beer with alcohol. But um, let's say it like that on a festival like this. Um, there were not too many Bradleys with a Radler in the hand, but more with <laughs> a big beer. Yeah. It's funny you talked about the high school parties because I had Chase Lambin on the podcast. He was one yeah. of the, he was my first guest actually. Yeah. And the the thing that we talked about first was the fact that we would get the kegs and sell cups at the parties and Chase and I would make quite a bit of money and of course yeah. get to drink beer for yeah. free. Yeah. Um, but he was hesitant to talk about it because he knew that his kids were going to be listening to it someday. Um, but I'm like, why should that matter, man? We had a good time. It was high school. so It was a wonderful time. And back back then, when whenever you remember back, that's one of the, the times in your life where, where you apparently didn't have too much money, right? And um, you were just enjoying yourself for the moment and you, you kind of knew what what life can be about. If you don't have too many responsibilities, yeah. if you can just have fun, if you just have some nice conversations and um, maybe a drink or two in your hand and uh, other than that, enjoy what's going on. I mean, uh, apparently us being guys back then at the age of 16, 17, 18, uh, Texan girls are not like the worst in the world. So, <laughs> <laughs> so also for, for some visual impressions, right? <laughs> uh, first of all, the eyes, number two. Some some Texan girls, I believe, have some some kind of or, or at least trying with a sweet voice of coming over, right? So that's also a privilege for the years. <laughs> and um, back then we were not, um, <laughs> we didn't get too many massages <laughs> <laughs> at pool parties like this. But it might 
be a, have been a good idea of now, right? Now going through all the the haptics in your body, right? With with the eyes, with the ears. Well. Mm -hmm. And you played soccer, right? I played soccer. I was I was just wondering right now back. You were asking me um, about the the decision choice of coming to Texas. We'll catch up with this later on. No, I'm interested. Um, so you you had the option of going to several different cities, right? But you chose Houston. Why did you choose Houston? Right. My my aunt is living in Buffalo, and uh, back she was marrying um, some 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 GI from who was over at World War II, and uh, they fell in love. And after he was returning back to the stage she was coming along and uh, actually just before I was applying for high school in uh, in the States she was along here and I was asking her hey, what what do you think what's a what's a good option of going there into the States and she was saying hey you know probably the the, the top three or four spots everybody wants to, to go to is New York is California and it's Florida so if everybody's applying for this how high is the chance that you actually get there not very high right so um, she was saying that Texas is a great place. My mom was a huge fan of the TV series Dallas yeah. back then. And I was sometimes watching along that. And I thought, what a great idea of going to Texas, because that's not probably in everybody's mind. So I figured if I put as my number one pick Texas, I might get a good chance of actually coming there. And I mean, in the end, it rolled it wasn't just... Uh, Texas, somewhere in um, whatever, some 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 small city, but it was in in Houston, right? So in a, in a world renowned city, also back then, uh, 97, 98, and uh, of course somewhere in the suburbs. But that's how I got there. So with some some huge quality of luck, me being very happy when I arrived there, and yeah. And you were with us for one year? For one year, yeah. Wow, I thought it was longer than that. Yeah, it was one year. It was from, from uh, well, when the school year was starting around August until 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 June. And again, one of the first impressions when I was getting over there, is the first morning I was um, going to school, apparently being a high school exchange student. You don't have a nice car that you are driving yourself where it picks you up, but you take the bus on the on the on the very first day which is um very similar to what in germany people do people only can drive at the age of 18 so about everybody um takes a bus in the morning as well but the issue is that the bus is or according to my memory back then was leaving pretty early on this on this on these very first days and it was dark outside mm. and I remember his very first day going to school it was dark and i was opening up the door and i had a a long sleeve shirt on because it looked dark and for me in my German imagination dark means it's a bit chilly in the morning right mm -hmm. and it was this wall of heat <laughs> when I opened the door you know and this wall of heat slapped me right back into the house I closed the door <laughs> I changed with some short pants and some short shirt and but I was ready to go well, yeah, you, you were one of it was in August, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like somebody taking a blow dryer and drying your face off. It's awful. Um, you were one of our few friends without a car, right? Yeah. How did you manage? You became friends with Byron Hutchison, right? Is that right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> he had to drive you everywhere. Right, Byron. Byron was the was, was the guy with the big smile, on the face, and the good heart at the right place. And the second one was Brad. Also brought me around for for quite a bit. Um, well, you were just not allowed to drive. Period. Um, you were you, you had no driving license. Uh, 
Um, and um, there was no chance for me to get my own car and, and, and drive by myself, mm. unfortunately. So that's something, again, as going into the stadium, what we were just saying, that you have to solve out. And if people, in this case, are a bit supportive and, and, and help you and take you on the hand and say, hey, Jürgen, um, we are aware of the situation you're in and we think you're a nice guy and happy to, to, to have you in our group and we can exchange a bit of fun and culture and and uh, yeah, we we just help you out sometimes, yeah. you know. So that's something that yeah was something to be highly valued. Yeah. Because other than that, you don't have too much public transport in the suburbs of Houston right. where we were going to to high school. And remembering back, I don't even know if there was a public bus. No, we don't have good public transportation there. Pretty much everyone we knew had a car. Exactly. And that's one thing in the morning to be going back to be to be going to high school and to be going back from high school. But other than that, if you want to visit somebody at their house as well, remembering back in, in the suburbs where we were living, there were not too many people driving on bikes all around. It's too hot for that, <laughs> right? So yeah. I'm curious, how was America different from what you expected? One of the advantages back then was just that I was extremely proud and happy to be over there and to have this great opportunity. So in the beginning, I, I didn't really care what was different, what was the same. I was just happy of being there and having a good time mm. and just, um, yeah, going, going for whatever pops up. I mean, in particular, what, what is different is, for example, one of the first things that pops up is, of course, high school, where your daily routine was usually in high school. You go in there in the morning in Germany and after six hours of, of high school, you return home, you do a homework, and that's it. Um, we by far don't have these social activities. Mm. That's number one. For example, that I became friends doing doing sports with uh, a bit of soccer players, football players, baseball players, and all of what what they were doing is going into the gym after high school. Now in Germany and the most high schools, we don't even have a gym overall. Where we might do some training and, and work out. So that <laughs> probably was the first question I was asking if it's for free mm. to have the, the gym at the high school if I can go as well and enjoy what we were saying, hey, you're more welcome. And I think back at the age of 17 or 18, I hardly had lifted many weights in my life. So, so, but, but, um, and I realized when entering the, the gym back then, there was this huge culture of having the three CDs every day there was a CD of ACDC, it was a CD of Guns N' Roses, and also a CD of Metallica, the black one. And these were played every day, and I was just not listening at all in my life, any metal back then. Mm. And I realized, hey, this music is kind of helping <laughs> to, to push weight, and people like it. Yeah. So after being in the gym probably for the 10th day, a person or derived from, from uh, what we became of people adapt so suddenly you start liking that mm -hmm. and these three cds that will probably keep for my entire life and of course afterwards i was buying them mm. right cool. so that was one of the things that i really remember one one thing that's, that's very different of for the high school as well that in germany you have a different schedule every day in the states you have the same schedule every day right so that was for me <laughs> Something what I realized, hey, I can have 
sports every day in the last hour. In Germany, I have it like once a week. Mm. Over there in Houston, I had it every day in the, in the last hour I could play soccer. And number two, this, this great class debate like, to kind of learn how to structure a speech, how to bring something across, and uh, also to have the self-confidence of just standing up and, and, and saying something. That is one class that in Germany doesn't even exist. Mm. At our Cyprus Falls High School, I had this every day in the second hour mm. for a full year. So that made some impact also on the personality. Other differences, of course, uh, you can't drink underage, things like that. So that's just still memories from not huge personality traits back then, but basic things that you had in ordinary life and that you were saying, hey, cool, a new, a new culture and I can be in the middle of it. How did the girls differ from what you expected? You were looking forward to meeting Texan women, I'm sure, Texas girls, right? Absolutely, Fred. <laughs> both you and me, we're we're both guys. We are now. We've been back then, <laughs> so it makes a long answer quite short. Um, but let me put it like this: as, as I was stating early on, apparently Texan girls um, are to to some extent nice to watch, right? Because <laughs> You're supposed to what I was actually here before I came over to be the most prettiest girl from entire states. So number one, I was excited about meeting some. Number number two, Texan girls were very much welcoming me in the in the first place. Were very open minded um, from from my point of view. Together with like Byron and you, I was I was I was hanging out with. So you just introduced me and everybody was extremely nice to me. Other than that, uh, if you get to know probably some girls on a deeper level, you realize that also in the States, probably culture-wise, there is a lot of focus, in particular at this age of 16 or 17, on the outer impression, right? So that means on the one hand, on the outside impression, what girls want to make onto guys, like um, all of the culture around cheerleaders, around sky dancers, you know, sky dancers. Also, one thing that doesn't exist in Germany, but a usual sky dancer always has a smile on the face. If she feels happy or not, the smile is there. For so people listening, time. sky dancers were our dance team, the girls who danced at halftime for the football games. Right. Uh, that's, all, that's actually one thing that was only existing in in Houston, Texas, Skydance, or was it just a, a name that was introduced by the high school? I thought it was Skydancers was something that exists in every high school as a, as a fixed bird. It does pretty much, but that's what they called them. So my sister-in-law, for example, went to a school that was called E.D. White. Their mascot were the, it was the Cardinals. And so they were the Cardinalettes. So Skydancers was just the name of our dance team, the girls. Hmm. At Cyfalls, yeah, Cyfalls Sky Dancers. All right, all right. So yeah, bottom line um, was was great to be around beautiful girls over there. Obviously, um, I don't remember having too many very very deep conversations, um, which might be also because people just grow in personality over a long time. In the beginning, it's the standard questions you get asked when you're an exchange student: Where are you from? How do you like America? How do you feel about this and that? You know, and then, of course, you in the mid-run, you have to meet the people a bit better and um, with time, friendships evolve. Mm -hmm. So there is a huge difference in just being the new guy, being interesting in the beginning. And then what is in the 
in the midterm, long term. And uh, yeah. Talk about the smile on the face. You were just saying that you didn't have dance teams here. And so it was it was kind of weird for you to see girls that had to permanently have a smile on their face. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? Um, yeah. On on the one hand said, yeah. On the other hand side, I don't know if they they have to, probably they, they have to, but I don't believe any girl would not have a smile on their face. I mean, that was just a normal reaction probably. Yeah. I had a feeling once they put on their dress, the smile arrived in the face, <laughs> right? <laughs> was something unconsciously. Yeah. Because there was just probably some 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 kind of high school um, or a cultural thing even that uh, you're supposed to do this and um, and that's fine. It's it's a huge pleasure for the eyes. <laughs> Did you have a tough time distinguishing between whether they were being flirtatious or being nice? Of course, if the if you have these these two options, <laughs> then you better focus. Than imagining that they've been flirtatious and <laughs> just being nice, it makes the whole world a bit easier for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it. Cool. So, and then I, I visited you in Paris after high school. That was what, 2003? What were you doing yeah. in Paris at that time? Um, I, was, I was having an internship back there. I was studying international business. Actually, yesterday, before you arrived here from Prague, I was going to an alumni meeting from my college time back then, I was speaking also to, to some people who are right now studying and we were chatting a little bit about my, my, my studies from back then. One of the things that I try to bring across always is that, hey guys, during your university studies, try to get abroad as much as possible. It's never gonna be easier than at this time. And at the time of when you're in your early 20s, you make experiences, you structure your personality, and once you fall in love with traveling, like 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 Brad, for example, as well, you, it's in your heart, and you will not forget this experience. It will kind of form a personality for the upcoming years of being open mind, of just going out there and solving more or less whatever pops up. So one of the one of the things I was doing in business it was a, a requirement actually to be going abroad for for um, two. It's called Germany semesters, which is half a year, right? Mm -hmm. And for me, that was back then, it was Hong Kong, it was Paris. So two major, for me, cities around the world when I was arriving in Hong Kong, it was, wow, me being there at the age of, of 22, 23, and then traveling to Singapore and Bangkok, again, with little money, but hey, you don't need very much money when you're in Bangkok, right? Or in, or in Singapore, you need a place to, to spend the night and some, some little food other in time, just time to actually be, be doing it. So in in the end, that's the message that I always try to, to bring across here at this point. You have the chance of arriving somewhere with a safe return back after five months and everything is what you actually own is in a suitcase and you realize you, you don't need that much in, in your life, which I personally tend to forget sometimes when I buy my tiny souvenir things for my, for my apartment, <laughs> my third semester. I was doing the south of Spain at the beach, writing my 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 master thesis because apparently a master thesis you can write from anywhere. Um, now even easier than back then, 2005, and and that was one of the things I was realizing that uh, when you choose a place to be studying abroad, don't choose a place that is too close to your culture and that's too close to your language. Back then I was speaking some, some decent English because of my time in, 
in Houston, my, my high school year. So um, that's why I was choosing either something that brings me forward language-wise or culture-wise, meaning a new culture in Hong Kong and languages speaking French and, and Spanish. Okay. So you said master thesis. Does that mean you have a master's degree? In Germany back then, you were having a so-called diploma. Now, a diploma doesn't very count much in, in the eyes of an American. Diploma is just some course you're doing and then you get a sheet of paper and that's it. Back then, a diploma in, in Germany was the equivalent of a master. Mm. So you only did get it after four and a half years of really university studies, right? Um, now the system was changing some years ago to the international system of bachelor and master, basically because even somebody like 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 Brad, who's extremely open-minded for the entire world and traveling and, and knowing many things, wasn't aware really what a diploma is. So each German who was going abroad had some some huge trouble explaining what a diploma really is. And that's why it was, was changed. So back then I was doing one of the first people here in Nuremberg of getting a, a bachelor and getting a diploma as well, which is the equivalent of a master. Yeah. I like what you said about travel and how it makes you realize that you don't need much but you still had to have money to go to places like bangkok and singapore and paris those aren't cheap places to visit well bangkok might be but paris and singapore certainly not is college something that's paid for by the german government yeah yeah and that's that's one of the privileges here in here in germany that you don't pay for going to college and that's also something that i realized when i was over there what a huge commitment is for parents in the States if they have two or three kids to save up for, for them to be going and get a decent uh, education at, at college or university. And it's one of the things that I really don't always, always see here in Germany when people just take for granted after high school, they can go to college and, and get a degree over there because um, some people uh, use it, which is fine as, as well as using college time as a, as a party life as well. But but also, um, yeah, I think it's a, a great chance of getting some free education, let's say it like that, and then starting into the work life without some huge debt. Because one of the main things, and now returning back to traveling, is that if you don't have to pay for, for your education at college, then again, one thing is your parents pay, and the question is, how much do you actually, what's the word, appreciate that they are, are doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Or at the same time, do you want to work to, to kind of pay them off? When you're in Germany and you know it's for free anyway, then, then you have the chance of spending more money on, on traveling mm -hmm. and going abroad. People sometimes even start here probably in, in Germany into the professional career with the money on the bank account, which I tell people, hey guys, don't worry about that. Usually have a great time while you're studying, explore the world, go go abroad. And it doesn't matter if you spend some 10 or 15,000 euros because you had a great time and saw the world. But that is one thing because education is free. It's another thing if on top of these 15,000, you have a huge loan for your college studies mm -hmm. because you might not have parents allowing you to do so. Mm -hmm. So did your parents help when you were living in Paris, for example? No, I was, I was, I was, I was back then trying to save my my money and uh, work for my money, and uh, so I was all of out of my own pocket okay. back then.
And how many years of schooling did you have? Um, post high school? Post high school, it was four and a half years four in total. Half? Four and a half years. Okay. In total. And um, out of out of these first years, um, I was having a, a huge chance back then. And that's also one thing. I mean, right now with, with the enter um, online thing like like um, writing blogs or writing podcasts. I was doing something similar back then. I was um, uh, with some lucky circumstances. I was arriving at a quite a big German uh, business newspaper writing about the stock market. So I'm um, at the age of uh, 20 or 21. I was doing over there an internship, and then people were saying, "Hey, I, I can write for them and interview people." So I was uh, looking for interesting interview partners back then. And uh, majorly it was about stock listed companies, medium sized stock listed companies here in Germany on, on which I was preparing, structuring my interviews. And then afterwards having an interview with the people themselves was not, not major companies in, in the billions, but still companies who, who made some, some, some rough 50, 100 million uh, euros uh, turnover a year. And that was also something that on, on the one hand, helped me out to to kind of present myself in interviews like that in an early age to kind of bring across messages after doing some some research so that those people don't look only at my age of being 20, but also on the quality of the questions I was asking them. And number three, I was getting some feedback from the newspaper because apparently my interview and my article were printed and some, some money. And that was the, the huge portion of the money I was having in the end for my traveling. Mm. Okay. So that's yeah. something really that being a, a writer or an author at an age during university studies for interesting things is one of the greatest things to earn money mm. because it helps you meeting interesting people, um, getting totally different point of views and usually learning from the best because you don't interview in a company, there's somebody who's working in the factory but you interviewed the CEO or the CFO. Yeah. Yeah, I remember you living very frugally in Paris. We, I was traveling with my girlfriend at the time, and you were living in a dorm room, basically, with a little twin bed. And yeah. uh, we slept on the floor, I remember. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. But what an experience. And I remember you telling us to meet you at the Sacre Coeur and that you were going to bring dinner, and you brought a baguette and cheese. <laughs> and for an American... That's not dinner, <laughs> but for you, that is, that is, you, you don't place a high value on eating. I remember you telling me one time we were in Heidelberg and we passed by a Thai restaurant. It must've been about 9 PM. And I said, Hey, Yark, you, you think we should, we can stop to eat. And you were like, Brad, this is not something that, that interests me <laughs> to sit down and eat. And it's funny because I've adopted a lot of that. So when I have clients in town for my travel yeah, services, yeah, I yeah. will tell them, let me know if you want to eat, just speak up because I'm comfortable eating street food, you know, which we did last night, right on the way to the yeah. festival. We got yeah. a hamburger and yeah. bratwurst. Did, did you like it? Yeah, it was excellent. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. easy, man. So it's, so it's always a question of time is something very, very valuable. Time is actually probably the most valuable thing, speaking it out, that we have in our life because um, you can earn money, you can't earn the time after you spend it right? Money you can earn again. So that's something that you have to be um, conscious about, or you should be conscious about. It's not very easy in particular when you're back in your work routines. And, but it's something that should pop up again and again and again in the mind until 
it's really something that you have totally in, interiorized. That is number one. Number two, if you're in a city like Heidelberg, and obviously time is of the essence because you only have one night there, then the, the question is, hey, do, do I right now sit down in a restaurant that could be probably anywhere in the world? Probably a Thai restaurant in Heidelberg doesn't look too different than a Thai restaurant in the States, in the city, or in, uh, in uh, wherever you are. And then the solution quite often, at least for me, is to just make a takeaway and then look for a great place to have this food. Yeah. Because it probably tastes very similar if you have it as a takeaway in your hand with a wonderful view around a city like Heidelberg or if you're sitting in a Thai restaurant. Yeah. And, um, yeah. That's a great point. When I visited you here last time, well, let me back up. After Paris, you moved back to Nuremberg, right? Yeah. Okay. And when I visited you here last time, you gave me some instruction to navigate the city on my own. And this town has a lot of charm. We went to the castle last night and I had done it the first time. And if anyone gets a chance to visit Nuremberg, there are some things that I did that you had told me how to get to that were fascinating. What's that? We had a squirrel on the balcony right now. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. You appreciate the little things. That's one of the things I like about you. And I'm sure we've gotten along so well for so many years because, or one of the reasons at, at least, is that I value time the same way that you do. Yeah. So that's great. And that we both take life on the one hand serious because it is a serious thing, but but still um, look at look at life. And, and that's not the, the contrast. Um, seriousness on, on things that really need to be serious and everything else. Yeah, just say, hey, things are as they are and let's now just make the best out of it and have a great time and let's see what we can be happy about right now in, in, in this very single minute and really make some, some um, experiences that will last in the memory because memories are something of extreme importance. Because they, on, on the one hand, they back you up and give you self-confidence. On the other hand, they just put a smile on your face. Yeah. You say, hey, we were here in this very situation. And um, yeah, and that makes you kind of, I'm missing the word right now. It's um, some kind of decency, mm. right? And being, and being down to earth. Mm -hmm. And on the one hand side is on the other hand side, knowing that you're capable of well, solving whatever comes up. And that's a great feeling. Like if you and me are just wherever in the world, just somebody, some huge giant takes us and puts us in, in the middle of any city around the world. Probably you and me would say, great. <laughs> We're happy to be here. Yeah. What's, what's there to see? Yeah. <laughs> There's maybe a, somebody to, to have a nice conversation or the ability of meeting people right from the instance. Yeah. Both guys and girls. So, um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's a huge capability. So having the focus of the wonderful chance of right now being here mm -hmm. instead of, Oh man, where am I? <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. So it doesn't really matter because you're here anyway. Yeah. <laughs> You, you mentioned self-confidence. That was something that you commented on last night. Why was it that you commented on my self-confidence? Do you remember? Yeah, that is from the first minute I was meeting Brad. There is nobody 
who has this kind of probably unconsciously self-confident walk. <laughs> <laughs> the entire back of the body is totally straight. Shoulders go down and the feet go to the outside. More <laughs> than I have seen probably anybody, anybody in my life walk in this for the past 25 years without any change. <laughs> as, is, as if it was the most normal thing in the world, which it's not. <laughs> oh, man. So going back to what I, got, what I had a chance to visit when you were working much of the time that I was here last time. So I went to Zeppelin Field and I went to the, the courthouse where the Nuremberg <clears throat> trials were held and also the, the Third Reich Museum. All are excellent for anyone listening who wants to visit this area. I highly recommend doing those three things. Did you guys learn about World War II in school? Yeah, um, to an extent that it fills an entire school year. I believe either my 11th or 12th school year, the entire history class of this one single school year was only about World War II, as wow. far as I remember. So. <laughs> I guess at the end of the school year, you had quite a share of it. Oh, okay. And what sorts, like what angle do they come at it from? Because I've visited, maybe you have too, like in um, Ho Chi Minh City, mm. there yeah. are Saigon, yeah. there's the War Remnants Museum, yeah. and you can tell it is a propaganda show. Yeah. How is it that it's presented in terms of the Nazi history here? First of all, let's, let's go back to high school. The way you are trained or let's let's say taught this at high school depends a lot on the mentality of the teacher apparently mm. is it saying hey guys that's what was happening back then let's just learn out of it and let's be grateful that we right now live in a time of peace over a long 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 time or is your teacher telling you the entire year how how bad you should feel because your ancestor just screwed up back then um so these are two totally different angles and um also, um, it's, 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 it's something that you, you probably reach young people a lot more if you don't make them feel guilty all of the time. It was a long time ago. Yeah. It was your past, it was your history. And it's, it's very important to know what, what has happened in these terrible times back then and be grateful to be back, back here living. Um, but also the focus always should be going out to the future. And for the past 60 years, luckily, um, we, we were happy to have, to have friends around the globe, like the people who back then did liberate Germany. That's, and, and the, the number one, a lot more for me personally, a lot more than, than, than the English and the French, for me, the, the Americans. And, and also quite a few stories I was hearing back then. I, I believe the Americans were, were based here in Nuremberg. That after some months they were realizing, hey, these are totally normal people here in Nuremberg, who for some reason some things went wrong back in World War II. But these are people right now who don't have a home to live because like Nuremberg was totally bombed back then mm. and gave the some young kids things that these young kids didn't have to, to eat for months, like a little piece of chocolate. Yeah. You know, and it's it's that's that's something that you just have to imagine being in a city that's totally bombed out, where ninety five percent of the inner city is destroyed, and you don't know where to spend actually a night or a whole bunch of people sleeps in one apartment, 
has very, very few things to eat. And then again, imagine bag of right now going out there and buying for 10 euros as, as much chocolate as you like. So that is one thing also to, to just kind of have in the back of your mind that things give the, the things some, some kind of special touch and some kind of gratefulness about what you have in that. And, and gratefulness usually um, comes to yourself being, being a bit down to earth. Whatever it is that you, are, that you have and that you believe who you are, and then again, this, this chain about gratefulness and about being down to earth makes you um, have the, the capability in life to cherish the little things. And what is else greater in life than cherishing little things? Because cherishing little things gives you little moments of pleasure. And hopefully there are many little things that you can have pleasure. So that means you have many things to be happy about. Not just about buying a big car that makes you happy for, let's say, some weeks. It was just one circumstance, the act of buying a car that in the worst case you saved up for a long time beforehand and didn't give yourself the chance of experiencing some things. But having the opportunity of like what we were just saying, having some birds out in the balcony or just a squirrel running in and out. Hey, this squirrel arrives every day. You have a little thing of being happy about every single day and you say, hey, Happy you're here. <laughs> it's just one example about, like also yesterday, having the, the music at the festival of exploring that. Um, great things don't cost very much money. You just have to see what's out there. And um, then the entire thing is who you hang out. And that's one of the things that people should be very um, careful about how they spend their, their time with, I believe, because some studies that were saying that you are the mixture more or less of the seven to eight people that you mingle the most with so you better make up your mind if you want to be the mixture of seven or eight people who are just complaining all of the time how good life should be but it's just not <laughs> <laughs> or if you do what i believe hopefully you and i are doing yeah absolutely which is not always easy yeah, I truly believe if there was one character trait that would that people could have that would improve the world, it would be that of being grateful. If you wake up with a sense of gratitude, it is going to not only impact your attitude and behavior throughout the day, but it's going to rub off on other people too, right? It's infectious when, when you're around grateful people those people tend to attract people like themselves. And then you just have this, this um, joy all the time. But yeah, it's hard to find people who find, can find happiness in the little things like a squirrel or some birds. And I'm sure that that's one of the reasons that we get along too, is um, we're always able to find something to be grateful for. Yeah, and, and last night where we were able to go to a suburb of Nuremberg, if you and I weren't friends, I would never get to witness something like that. And it's not something that you could buy with money, right? Right, and there's also something that's not in the top 10 highlights that you can Google. Yeah. You know, that's just something that maybe some 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 locals might might show you. And then I was, I was, I was happy you were saying that you would be happy to have something like this in, in your hometown. And uh, obviously we have something like this every week in a different, let's say, village suburb. 
or even in, in two village suburbs every weekend. And so it's just many options that uh, you can you can spend your time and have a good time. And um, options to, to choose from is, first of all, a great thing to have. Mm -hmm. But you also have to be um, capable of identifying and seeing options before you can take them, right? And to actually inform yourself about what's going on. And that, again, brings you from a passive role to an active role in your life, mm -hmm. that you're steering it out. And of course, in all options, in the end, you can realize, but just the feeling of having them also, again, brings you along. Yeah. So I want to go back to the World War II stuff. Did your grandparents ever talk about that time? One of the things is that I didn't meet the grandparents from my father's side because they, they weren't with us for a very long time when I was young. Um, the grandparents from mom's side, my, my, my grandpa, he was in World War II, uh, a train driver. Wow. So he was um, based a bit in Nuremberg, based in Vienna. And um, back then, we didn't have electric trains in, in World War II, but these were coal-fired, right? So um, they were standing in the, in, the, in the train cockpit, two guys, and then steering the trains. And one was steering, and the other one was shoveling the coals into the fire. One of the things that um, he was back then doing is was that uh, people who got injured during combat to to drive them into security into hospitals. So that was something that also is um, not too easy for a young guy. I mean, apparently my grandparent, my, my granddad, sometime was at the age of twenty five as well in his life. And to to hear people scream in a train that you are driving um, is something that is, uh, yeah, also forming your personality and um, over the, the years to come. So yeah. he would tell you stories about driving trains during World War II and hearing screams coming from the back. Right. I mean, if you have people who are injured and there's a whole train of people who are injured, um, and then you know, obviously at some stage you're hearing that. Yeah. So it's something that, yeah. And then again, put the focus not on the screaming, but the focus that you are here to help and drive into security. Yeah. Notwithstanding if there are soldiers any, or anybody else you're right now here to, to, to support. And, but also my, my granddad, the same as I, I believe quite a few people who were serving as a soldier back then in, during World War II, they, they, they don't do too many conversations with their uh, grandchildren because, and, and that's also one, one thing I was knowing in general what he was doing back then, being a, being a train driver and this. On the one hand, I don't know if I did show too much interest at a young age on the one hand side on the other hand side it's also vital that grandparents put the focus forward and world war ii is a long time ago so um why tell the grandchildren again and again and again how bad everything was back then yeah yeah my grandfather fought in world war ii and he didn't share his story he died in the 90s and he would tell me, he would show me on a map 
where he went, but didn't he never went into detail. So I would imagine if Where was he more or less? He was around Guadalcanal, which is the South Pacific. Uh, and then I had a chance to befriend the guy that my grandmother was dating after he died, and he fought in the German theater of war. And um, it was always fascinating to talk to him because he would tell me every time that I saw him how grateful he was for Harry Truman having dropped the bomb on Nagasaki because had that in Hiroshima, had that not happened, he would have been sent to fight in the Pacific theater of war. Mm. And he was coming, he had shrapnel lodged underneath his eye yeah. and had spent quite a bit of time in a POW camp in Germany. So I think that he would be uh, very interested in sitting in on this conversation where he's still alive. Yeah. Yeah. But I do wonder if, you know, if they had done something bad in the war, like committed a war crime, hmm. that's not something that they probably would have shared with their grandkids. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Probably, probably not. Yeah. That is, that is one thing. The other thing is as well, If you look at the pictures that people were serving in World War II, then you have a lot of young chaps at the age of 22, 23, 24, and you look into, your, into their face and you think, hey, what was I doing at the age of 22, 23? I was going to college or I was going to party, you know, and these guys, they, they I mean, there's the, that's, that's the maximum seriousness you can have serving in this age in a in a world war and not knowing what the next day is going to bring for you and for your life you know and 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 even right now um at the age of 40 of looking back what what these guys understanding germans or americans or from whatever nationality had to had to go through also mentally wise it's not about some things that we talk about here like developing slowly a personality with some coachings and training. <laughs> That's some kind of different personality training. Yeah. That is, yeah, yeah. Sh showing you about what life is and either you're mentally fit and adapt or, or you have to adapt. Yeah, and you're saying 22, 23, but I happen to know that Americans were much younger than that. The guy, the story I just told about the the man who dated my grandmother near the end of yeah. his life, he was drafted at 17 or right when he turned 18. And the reason he chose to go into the Army instead of the Navy is because they asked him which he wanted. And he said, well, when do I leave? And they said, well, if you choose the Navy you leave tomorrow. If you choose the army, you leave two weeks from now. And he said, I'll mm. take the army. So that's mm. how it was decided. And for that reason, he was in combat on the ground. And there are some pretty fascinating pictures of him, which I am upset by this, but I plan to write an article. I have an article written about him that I didn't get to publish prior to my grandmother passing away in Uh, the summer of last year. Since we're kind of on the topic of politics, is immigration a hot topic here right now, like it is in the United States? Oh, it's a huge topic right now. Yeah. It's a huge topic. Obviously, Germany was, was opening up borders three years ago. 
some Germans like that, others dislike that. Um, uh, yeah, so that's that's what a lot about what was uh, in the politics area was in in fact concentrated around this topic mm. in the past years. And so, and Angela Merkel allowed in about five. Is it five million people at that time? Not not quite sure how many, but it was a lot. It was quite more than one million. Yeah. And can you tell the difference walking around Nuremberg that the population has increased in, in the past few years? That's that's interesting. Actually, not not even that much, mm. um, except for. Apartments being quite scarce at the moment, mm. right? Apartment price went up quite a bit, also for the interest rate development, but also because just there right now, um, apparently more people looking for apartments to, to live in, and you don't just uh, build apartments for one million new people in a country from, from one day to the next one. So either you have space available already or in a, in a market with with um, scarcity and demand, the price adapt in in a way that's that's going up. And have you seen an increase in your taxes due to the influx of immigration? That not 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 so far not mm. so far. But uh, the the economics was was doing pretty well in Germany so far in the past years. Uh, so well, we, we will see in the market decline what happens, but. As we were saying early on in in the morning, uh, issue is that in in Germany you you pay anyway a quite a high tax rate in comparison to other countries. So the entire package of uh, tax and social security, I believe that Germany is under the the top three countries in the world mm. already at at this stage. So um, and being at this stage doesn't mean there is too much room for for increase anymore. And at least from the income side, right? Yeah. And so at what percentage tax rate are you paying now? Um, not not too sure about the exact percentage rate, but as I was saying, about, about half of what you are earning in the end as a package combination of tax plus social security, unemployment, um, insurance, um, um, uh, health insurance goes to at least not into your bank account once once the money arrives. So that's 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 quite a bit. Plus, you're paying right. for college, right? Of everyone who wants to attend, and I assume right. everyone attends. Right, right. Not not everybody in Germany. I would be saying this. It's it's not in Germany. Is like not like in the states. In the states, about everybody from high school tries to go into college. Germany is a tradition that quite some extent of young people they they also go and they they learn how to fix cars like a mechanic, right? Or they 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 go and uh, go into let's say craftsmanship like electrician or um, uh, how to fix water issues like do you call it sanitary? A plumber. Plumber, more or less. So for for doing these jobs, apparently you don't need. Um, uh, a college degree. Mm-hmm. Other than that, uh, German school system is that only the upper level of the school is is even allowed of going to college. Mm-hmm. So if you stop your high school at at after ninth or tenth grade, 
then you the only chance you have is going and and learn a job via training mm. so not everybody is in fact but more and more obviously do and try because that's where people see that they can have number one a nice job in an office which is by by many nowadays seen easier than doing some 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 crafts and working also obviously salary is higher yeah so um and it's and it's and it's paid for by the government mm, the training you mean yeah okay. but but that's one thing that's totally fair enough i mean i was always getting my education and so everybody else right now who, who wants to have his education should be paid by the government for my taxes that's that's totally fine that's a give and take mm. Last time I was here, we were in the midst of the Hillary Trump election, and I heard people on several occasions just chanting F Donald Trump, just walking around in the streets here. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah. What was the reaction around here when Trump was elected? The, the reaction is that many people um, didn't didn't understand the, the reasons behind that. Issue is back, back then, many Germans didn't know what Donald Trump in the end stands for, probably, right? How his politics will be internally, externally. Now, if you don't know somebody, but just know about his reputation, that creates what? Insecurity. And usually people don't like insecurity and probably the, the country or the people in the country that like the least insecurity is Germans, mm. right? So Germans want to know what somebody stands for, what somebody is doing. And um, obviously, if you have insecurity, you, you want to fight this. And, and, and then um, the, apparently Donald Trump is somebody totally different than any president that the United States has had before. But probably also somebody who has his strengths and his weaknesses. Mm. Right. And um, to, to some set as well. Um, I mean, you, you, you can talk for ages about if it's necessary to, to build a wall to Mexico, but it's also about um, that people in a country like in the States who felt they were just left behind probably kind of found their voice. And yeah, um, finding a voice is important in life and feeling that you kind of are heard. And let's let's see how the next election is going to to develop. How often do you guys have elections? Every four years. Every four years for president. So you're yeah. in the second term of Merkel. Um, Merkel has been our chancellor for the past fifteen years. Oh, why is that? Well, she was reelected four times. There just were not too many options. Also, you you always elect a party in Germany, and the party mm. itself plays the chancellor. Uh, so Merkel for a long time and still today was was seen as a, as a as a huge character for Germany and for European politics. So people kinda did stick to their party and the party didn't of course bring anybody else as number one chancellor as Merkel was doing uh, quite a decent job all of this time. So um I mean right now it's at the edge that she's taken over to to to, to somebody else after all of these years, um, but yeah. Mm. Are you, do you guys have talk here about building walls? No, 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 no. 
Let's talk about your real estate investing. What got you started in real estate investing? Two things. First of all, it's it's something where apparently you can put your money in. Number one, and to some return. That's 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 the bottom line. Number two thing is that a real estate is is for real, and something that's for real is located somewhere. And in my case, my real estates are in Nuremberg. So that also gave me again some kind of grounding. Because if you know, hey, number one, I own something here and you're around the city and you say, oh, here there's something that, that belongs to me. Here is something that on the one hand, you give again a home to people, which is a nice feeling if you get along with, with, with somebody well. On the other hand, it's just you might feel with your hometown, if that's where you were investing, even connected even a bit more. Mm-hmm. Because something that is here belongs to you. So you're not just somebody who is renting an apartment in your hometown, but that's where I'm staying, where I'm living and what I'm owning, mm-hmm. you know? And that uh, also settles at least, at least me for, for, for spending many years here in the future, because I feel responsible for what I'm owning, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm having here. Yeah. Okay. And you finance them, I assume. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Putting about what? 10% down, 20% down. Yeah. About this on average. Okay. Yeah. And the places 10, that- 15, 20, and then giving, uh, give, getting, getting, getting a fixed loan from the bank, because that is one thing that uh, probably interest rates are going to be staying on this low level. Yeah. But again, Germans are insecurity <laughs> doesn't really match that well. And on the other hand, if you have extremely low interest rates, like right now, given, the, given, given the fact as well that real estate was rocketing in the value, so right now you pay tremendously more than maybe four or five years ago. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, if you know that you can finance something down to zero in, let's say, 15 years, then there is not a single chance that, or to some very high likelihood, that things will go fine and that after 15 years, the apartment belongs to you, right? Now, if somebody is financing, um, let's say, a, a house with uh, some, some, some little cash money down in the, in the beginning, and then he is majorly only paying off the interest rate, but not returning the loan to the bank. If he wakes up after 10 years and we don't have interest rate of 1.5%, for example, but suddenly it jumps up for whatever reason up to 4.5%, then this guy has some real issue. Yeah. Because then mortgages is something right, we have here. Because so then it, in the end, he's playing. He's paying three times on what he was paying before, yeah. only for the interest rates. So you do and still isn't paying it off. Yeah, always. Okay. Yeah. And so your plan is to have them all of your properties, but you have nine of them. Is that right? Yeah, about that. Okay. And then once you have them all paid off, or you, which I, I assume the plan is to have them all paid off in fifteen years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And do you have a target amount of properties that you're trying to buy to create a certain amount of income per month? And then you're going to retire? Is that your plan? The thing is, as I was saying, price are really increasing. So right now, I, I don't run after a market where I see that housing prices are just overrated, mm. given the return you're having. 
Yeah. And also um, being responsible for apartments is, is a bit of work, right? Mm. That you're doing. If you feel at some stage that the return is just not what it should be, mm. right? So I feel well with with what I have. I'm 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 grateful for that I could build up a little side pillar um, for for my future, and that's it. And if a new apartment pops up at a decent price, what I try to bring across is that um, if if somebody is selling me an apartment, that I really cherish the apartment. It's not for me just. What is the average price that you pay for these? Apartments, I would say average price is um, uh, 100,000 euros more or less. Okay, and they rent for about how much on average? I would I would say it's on on average five to six thousand euros a year for all nine. So about no, seven or eight for for oh for a one. year. Okay, I got you. So about five hundred dollars or five hundred euros a month yeah. on average. Yeah, and you pay about like that. hundred thousand euros. Right, okay. right, right. So that's the average return that I was getting on my real estate because I was buying it not yesterday, but already some years ago. Can you raise rent here? I can raise rent, of course, as as everywhere in the world. It's just it's regulated. You can raise rent in in Germany a fifteen percent every three years do you also invest in a retirement plan through work a little bit yeah. but that's but that's a lot less in in german culture and what than what it's probably in the states so that's just something that's very marginal in my retirement plans my company pays itself several thousand euros every year into some kind of pension plan mm. that that i will get at, at the age of 60. social security is also 60 years old here when you start receiving social security you mean like like you mean like pension well pension is through your work but you mentioned earlier paying social security taxes is yeah but social security is majorly that um if if people need to be taken care of if they're old people oh okay right so that's kind of social security that we are paying so security means also some health insurance some unemployment insurance oh okay right so the the the, the official age right now in germany of going to Stop working at 67. So that's the official age at, at where you get money from the government. You, you, you can right now at the age of uh, 62 already um, go into pension, but then you get less than you would get at the age of 67. Okay. And apparently for life then. Do you invest in the US stock market at all? You know, everybody has a home country bias. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about this that that's one of the things that really shouldn't exist anymore at, at, at the time we're in, but, but still we all do it. Yeah. So the question is, even though we do know it better, it shows you again kind of where the roots are because you buy what you kind of know. I don't, I don't believe there is are too many countries, if any, where people, again, security, put so much money purely onto the bank account and not into the stock market. As far as I know from statistics, about 70% of German people are not at all invested in the stock market. Mm-hmm. So money goes in a bank account, it loses inflation about 2 to 3%. Mm. But the people, of course, have their stability and don't need to be afraid that at some stage the, the share prices drop by 20%. I meant to ask you earlier, what interest rates are you getting on your real estate? 
on the 15-year loans that you're getting. Um, currently, I would say it's a uh, the last one I was I was buying was probably around was probably less than less than two percent. I don't have I don't have the, the exact figures in my mind right now, but it was less than two percent. And once they were, they were the maximum I was investing and buying five years ago um, was roughly three percent. Wow, for a really fifteen low. years loan. So yeah, that's great. You have a girlfriend? Yeah, luckily. <laughs> and y'all have been dating for what? Six years? Six years, Brad. Six years. Awesome. Yeah, that's one thing. That's also speaking about cultural differences between the states and Germany. Somebody, I don't know if it was you or if it was Byron, was saying that in the states you're guys at the cat if you don't marry a girl after three years. <laughs> you would a dickhead. Is that what you said? <laughs> um, yeah. It's it's for me for me a relationship is something of very high importance of having somebody at your side that you can rely on and um, the most important thing of a happy relationship is that you can share these little moments and that you actually are happy every evening when you see the other person. Also, we both heard maybe some girls tend to do sometimes. <laughs> try to change guys oh yeah right they definitely do and try to see this in the end as a personal challenge so just be happy and accept the person you're with and here and there there are so great things um how a girl can put across in a feminine way things that she might think are not so perfect about us <laughs> but but that's always something the way you bring it across or the way some girls might think that if I write um, that guys behave in a certain way because that's what society has taught them how life should be. And society says that this is how it should be, then it better be this way because otherwise her girlfriends might think um, what a strange guy she's with or how can this and that and whatever be but that's again the thing we talked about earlier putting the focus not too much on the outside but more what is on the inside how you feel and um, life is easier if you don't care too much what everybody thinks because you can never know okay you know what but and and that's the worst type right <laughs> the worst type is those who believe they know what others think about you as a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> because there you you're lost. You can't even argue because there is no way that you can demonstrate her what the other person really think. <laughs> so that's just discussion in vain. And if at some stage you're at that point for too much of a long time, yeah, better start being happy in your life again. Yeah, most people don't know what they think anyway, <laughs> right? True as well. Yeah, you made a good point there. Many women think that men are imperfect women, <laughs> so that's a problem. Has the feminism streak come through Germany? Yeah, quite a quite a bit, mm. but but that's that's as many things many things come and go. I mean, probably one year ago we we had this uh, Me Too 
that in America people were screaming out or girls screaming out, me too, and in Germany as well. Mm. And right now it's again trends come and go. At least I haven't heard about me too in the in the past several months. So I didn't realize that had gotten here too. Yeah. Interesting. So you and Kirsten, your girlfriend, don't live together, right? But you've been together six years. Does she ever nudge you to either get married or live together? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but in a in a decent way, and um, yeah, probably sooner or later, it uh, is, is is something that should be on the agenda. What is most important to you in the next couple of years, two to three years, or three to five years? Yeah, being happy. <laughs> nice. Cool. Do you have a favorite book that deals with intersexual dynamics? Inter, intersexual? Like, um, uh, relations between men and women. For me, that was one of the, that was one of the things I was really having a great time some seven or eight years ago, um, to, to, to read and to understand a lot about that. Because in during my single time, one of the huge privileges was, that you have in your own hands the capability of meeting a girl more or less whenever and wherever you like, you know, and uh, to have the, the mindset that, of course, when you're single and you're on the street and you see a, a girl that you just think, wow, she looks great and she might be totally interesting, that you have to, your, your act together of going there and saying, hey, the main thing for me was the, was, was the mindset shift that you actually go there and open up a chance for her and for you and many guys think oh if i go across to this girl and tell her that she just struck my mind just by walking by she might get pissed off or um, feel that i waste her time or that i'm uh, obsessive about her and uh, the, the thing that should be in the mind hey there's a great opportunity for her and, and, and for me and now let's find out if we might have a nice coffee and, 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 and that's the main thing. What is behind the first impression that I've had? Because obviously you see a nice face, you might see an attractive body, you might see a, just a, a pretty hard, heartwarming smile in the face. And then the, the thing is, hey, what's more? Mm. And can I find out? And thus then this little puzzle that in the end goes together, make you, after first impression, get to know the girl a bit longer or not, and, and vice versa. So, and what else is there when you're single to find some, some great partner for, yeah, a, a certain time together or even for life? Well said. Yeah. What you say as when you're uh, saying hello to them, but the, one of the main things is how you feel internally about doing this, because this totally portrays how you want to come across and confidence about that and not being pushy or anything, but just being totally open and honest and giving her a smile and say, Hey, <laughs> take it as a compliment. Mm -hmm. yeah? yeah. And, um, realizing that. There are so many girls out there who think that's totally great. Because isn't that a wonderful compliment for a girl? I mean, imagine you walking down the street and the girl comes up and says, Hey, Brad, I just realized, uh, hey, just realized you're walking by. 
and um, uh, I was always looking after you, and I, I thought I could be a really cool guy. So I thought I just say hello and see what's what else is there. <laughs> what's your name? <laughs> isn't isn't that like even even though if you have no time, wouldn't you like walk away with a smile on the face? Yeah, I've seen you do it many like times. <laughs> it works. <laughs> and there are a few books that you and I both read. Um, yeah. you, you recommended some to me. I believe you were the person that tell me that told me about the way of the superior man. Yeah, that's a favorite book of yours. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. another one called "Attract Women Through Honesty." Is that? Am I getting that right? I believe it is. Yeah. I didn't. I didn't read these 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 books for the for the for the past three, four, five years. But I was back then highlighting quite many of them, and um, I'm extremely happy it became part of a mindset and part of a sane mindset because it just, you know, whatever happens in life, that's probably things like riding a bicycle. You lose your fear of the future and also fearing what happens. Oh, if my partner is leaving me, I will not find anybody else, right? If you have the feeling in your body, if the partner is going, hey, I go out and uh, make the best out of it and I'm capable of opening up many opportunities for myself and then see who else is there who might fit even better to me. That also puts your present relationship on a much more healthier level, except for you being in a passive role of trying to behave and speaking after the mouth of the partner, just because you lose, you're fearing that somebody might, might leave you at some stage. I mean, it's still a tragedy when something goes apart in a relationship because, and, and that's again, one of the things, one of the things I believe when a relationship ends in life, um, you lose first of all your trust person that, that knows many things about you. And one more thing is that you lose many things of your memories because a, a large part of a relationship is also what you experience together. When you look back at some certain situation, the other person knows exactly what you were speaking about. A new girl you meet doesn't know that. How how should she? So it's so it's hard enough, but at least you can make your life easier in opening and putting your focus on, on meeting somebody new and being able to do so. How many languages do you speak? I can speak English for my particular high school time in Houston. For my um, time in Paris, I can speak some French. From my time in Mexico and Spain, I can speak some Spanish. And for me, I realized that Italian is a great language as well, particularly when I was in my, in my company doing a lot with facts and figures and uh, balance sheets and P&L statements. I was going to evening school for three years and learning Italian, which was a great thing that was kind of putting my brain into a non-P&L non statement level. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so that, that means these, these languages more or less I have materialized. And that is a great thing when you go to a country and uh, can speak at least a little bit in the language because it also shows on the one hand respect and that you might also have the willingness of being more than the, the average tourist. Mm. If you could live in any country for the next six months, which would it be? I love, I love Nuremberg. Mm. That's my hometown. And from Nuremberg, I can take a weekend 
in all of the European cities, basically more or less whenever I like. But that usually is something where you take a plane or a, or a train ride somewhere on a Friday, mm. return on a Monday, and then again in, in Germany, we have the opportunity of having uh, 30 days of um, vacation. Wow. During, wow. yeah, our, our employment period. So, And are you encouraged to take it? I mean, you don't get paid for it if you don't take it, right? Right, right, so right, right. And almost, um, almost everybody does. What are you most grateful for? That's 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 a very nice question. What I'm most grateful for, I'm probably most grateful about all of the chances that I've had in my life, and that I was actually taking. In other words, the, the memories of of traveling, of being abroad, of having maintained great friendships. Like, 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 like ours for a long time to be in a position to look into the future with a smile and to have the capability of enjoying really little things. And again, that is all summing up to being happy in the long run. If you have 10 or 15 moments a day that make you feel happy and be it only for two or three seconds. That is part of your mindset in the long run. Thank you for being on the podcast, man. Thank you for having me in your home. I very much value our friendship and have for 25 years. So thank you, buddy. Me too. Thanks, Brad. Cheers. You're the man. Cheers. You're the man too.